calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. The 27-year-old, identified as Samantha Williams from Queens, was struck by the bus around 11.30 p.m. last night. Police state Williams was pronounced dead at the scene. The community mourns for the loss of the young woman, described by her peers and colleagues as a one-of-a-kind individual and a brilliant rising star in the social advocacy and news media industry. It's different when it's one of your own. We sometimes forget that. For us as journalists, it's a story. Something we need to report on. To get done by a deadline and then move on. Not that we don't care. It's just that there's always a new story. But this one. This was one of our own. It doesn't feel real hearing it. Hearing my voice, it's a copy of a copy, but it happened. Samantha is dead. I'm going to continue the story Samantha started. Another copy of a copy. It's been two months since her death, and I have responsibility to her. A responsibility to this story. And as she would say, a responsibility to the kids. The Fillmore Four will be silent no more. It has been eating away at me this whole time. What could I have done differently? What signs did I miss? I can't understand how a story can create such real-world consequences for those investigating it. I don't believe in cursed stories. But looking at Samantha, I wonder if that's true. 
This is Lifting the Rug, a production of RFE Radio, where we explore hidden secrets, unsolved mysteries, and shine a light for justice. My name is Mark Wingo. Join me tonight as I help end this journey into the gloom. Episode 8, Elegy. The uninitiated would look at Darlene Harrington's story, her fall from grace, and assume that she vanished into obscurity. Samantha felt otherwise. After careful review of her research, it's hard to argue against it. I can now see where she was coming from, though we argued constantly. Samantha's views have now slowly crawled into my head, too. How do you know I had a nightmare? Are you playing games with me now, Doc? I was there. I was in this place, this church or something. Everything goes black. Like sleep? It's like the darkness is bleeding all over the walls. I think it's where it hides. Where what hides? The monster. Ever hear that saying about madness? How it's contagious? No. How it's not madness at all. It's coming for you now, Doc. We all gotta stick together. You won't let it get us, will you? No. I won't. Samantha had pieced together a bit of a trail on Dr. Harrington. She tracked her down to a number of different facilities under different aliases, never in the same place for long. Sometimes, strange, tragic events seemed to follow after her. I knew I had to pick up the story where Samantha had left off. So, I started making some phone calls. Danwell Mental Health Facility led me to Cooperstown Day Treatment Center, which led me to Sacramento County Psychiatric Hospital, where... As happens on occasion, I've met a fan. I recognize that voice. You're the guy from that Lifting the Rug show, right? <laughs> yes. I'm seeking information on a Dr. Darlene Harrington. She may have gone under the alias of Dr. Heron when she worked for your hospital. Oh, I do vaguely remember a Dr. Heron. That was a bad time for us, though. We don't talk about it much. And why was it a bad time? A lot of death and suffering, organ failures, it's, it's hard to explain. People believe it may have been something in the water table, but they never figured it out. What happened to Dr. Heron? She moved on. Around the time the suffering ended, in fact. Do you have any idea where she went? Oh, uh, as a matter of fact, yeah. Uh, Illinois. Just outside Chicago, I believe. There were unusual deaths wherever she went, and it was peculiar in how specifically similar they were in the description. But then I came across a facility name that I recognized. Yes. She was practicing in our Displains facility as Sarah Lucas. She was here for about six months. During that period of time, three people died under her care and two people suffered injuries as a result. Could I please have the names of those affected? 
As per HIPAA guidelines, I cannot disclose that information. Was one of the survivors named Samantha Williams? I... I want to help you. I really do. But I can't disclose that information. Look, I was close with Samantha. We were working on a project together, an investigative report on Darlene Harrington and her crimes. Samantha's dead. Oh my God. I'm doing all of this to finish what she started. Can't you tell me anything further? I think you have your answer already. I found myself falling into a dizzying spiral of dead ends that felt like one giant bureaucratic psychic vampire draining me of what little sensations I had left in my body. (laughs) It's amazing how the power of grief can keep you moving forward, though. I refocused my research to Queens and followed up with a Detective Filardo, a homicide detective that Samantha had spoken to. Yeah, I remember talking to her. I've been speaking to a lot of these podcast people over the years. Murderinos, armchair detectives. She was a journalist. Was? She was killed recently in a traffic accident. I'm trying to finish what she started. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So what was she working on? Well, don't you remember? I remember her asking a lot about a cold case, the Fillmore 4. Yes, She was saying she had access to a few police tapes and other evidence, redacted, but sourced from a FOIA request. Yes, not only that, but she had shared access to the actual recordings of medical practitioners in their sessions with the patients at Fillmore. How the hell did she get access to that? There have been people after those tapes for years. She had a source. A guy named Johnny. You know about him, right? Johnny. There's a million Johnnies in the world. I don't know what you're talking about. This is not the only unsolved case, you know. Do you know how many unsolved homicide cases exist in this county alone? Hey, hey, I'm just following up on a story that one of my reporters was working on. Who wound up dead? I'm sorry, you're right. Who is this Johnny? Surely you knew him. You would have interviewed the family of Alicia Higgins? Johnny is her brother. Brother? Alicia Higgins was an only child. What? No. No, that's not right. I would have known if there was a brother. I started listening to the tapes that specifically mentioned Johnny. So you were a rapper or something? What did I assume? Hey there, how are you this evening? What can I get for you? Good. I'll just have a coffee. And you? Terrific. I'll be right back. Thanks. You should have got something. I got you. I listened to another Johnny tape where I knew there was nothing but silence. It was odd, to say the least. Unsettling, certainly. Everything she spoke of in our previous conversations was there. The weird anomalies, the strange sounds, almost like voices. But what was striking were the long gaps, whole sections of blank tape. Then...
Samantha grew up in a blue-collar household on Chicago's South Side. Her home life suffered when her father died of a heart attack related to diabetes, and her mother lost her job during the recession of the early 2000s. Not long after losing her job, Samantha's mother committed suicide. Samantha became a ward of the state of Illinois and ended up in the foster care system. As a teenager, Samantha became bitter, angry, and violent. It was difficult to keep her in one school, and she was moved around frequently. When she was 14, Samantha was arrested for assault with a deadly weapon. After psychiatric evaluation, Samantha was diagnosed with paranoid personality disorder. The thinkings and behaviors associated with PPD can interfere with a person's ability to form and maintain relationships, as well as their ability to function socially and in work situations. In many cases, people with PPD become involved in legal battles, suing people or companies they believe are out to get them. I guess a journalist is the next best thing. It seemed that Samantha had a long road to recovery. Part of her recovery was reflecting her paranoia onto the rest of the world to avoid reflecting it on herself. I was able to gather all this by examining her belongings. In addition to the wealth of information about the Fillmore Four, I had her personal journal files from her computer and an old bound notebook. In one entry it read, March 14, 2005. Met some doctor today, Sarah something. I didn't say much. She's one of them, whether she knows it or not. She was cold, clinical, sounded like a robot. They make me write this bullshit, probably to read it later. I hate writing in this fucking journal. Sarah Heron was an alias Harrington was using at the Ferndale Psychiatric Institute in Des Plaines, Illinois. No records indicate that they ever met again, but they did meet once. Long enough for Samantha to be triggered into a violent episode of suicidal ideation. What fascinates me about all this is how Samantha and Darlene met all these years prior to Samantha investigating her. Samantha never mentioned this and possibly never made the connection. Or she hid it from me. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. 
And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Samantha recorded numerous hours talking to a Dr. Glassman, an adolescent psychiatry expert at NYU. I had a chance to interact with her, and she provided valuable insight into not just the case as a whole, but Samantha's journey and my investigation into what happened to her. I'm not sure I'll be able to provide any more insight, but I'm happy to help if I can. What did Samantha find? Or at least, what did she present to you? Oh, a whole hodgepodge of things. Um, a young woman's journal, various delusions of otherworldly presences and monsters. Did Samantha ever mention any of her own mental health issues, specifically the issues she struggled with as a teen? No, not at all. She had been diagnosed with paranoid personality disorder. I started to wonder whether Samantha found out some information or whether she was, you know, filling in the gaps herself. That's not surprising. Often these kinds of cases can trigger certain behaviors for those that have suffered in the past. So you think Samantha was making things up? I'll admit that this story around the Fillmore Four is quite strange and unusual, but... I've been following it most of my professional career. Just because Samantha may have found some weird things, let's just say I wouldn't dismiss it entirely. What about her condition? Surely you would have noticed. Enough to question her judgment, at least. No. Maybe you have a different understanding of what mental health is. Granted, you have to work hard on it. But it's not like people with mental health issues. It's not like their lives are over just because they suffer from them. Samantha may have had challenges, but in our conversations, there was never anything outwardly indicating she had PBD. 
she was critical of authority and mistrustful of the healthcare system and the facility, but I wouldn't call that unwarranted. So what explains it? I mean, she was talking about weird stuff, dark presences. Can you offer any insight? I can't really help you there. I don't have an answer. Hmm. Could she have grown into it? Developed it later? Was she possibly misdiagnosed? Um, Those disorders usually develop by adolescents and women. But misdiagnosis is always possible. Sure. The manifestation of Samantha's condition does not make sense. Her diagnosis wouldn't constitute the hallucinations she was seeing or the voices she was hearing. It doesn't make sense. Samantha doesn't make sense. Then again, it's easy to dismiss people with mental health conditions. My continued research brought me to Samantha's anthropological expert, Dr. Decker. Damn. I can't believe it. Makes no sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. The best thing we can do, though, is give the work she's done some semblance of closure. What did you two talk about? Wow. Many things. Geez, uh, collective unconsciousness, similarities across culture, whether they influence each other or not, the taxing nature of it all to our deep psychological roots, the commonalities of all these things among human beings, culture, language, spirituality. Tell me... Dr. Decker, do you believe in something larger than this existence? It's actually irrelevant whether I believe it. I look at it more as a description of things, largely unknown. Just another version of the god of the gaps, whether it's demons or spirits or a psychological condition, it all amounts to the same thing. One thing that is safe to say is that we scientists and philosophers don't have all the answers. In some cultures, certain people deemed the gifted would be able to hear and speak to the gods, or so they believed. Those people became priests, part of the elite class. Some cultures would often involve the use of drugs, hallucinogens, but sometimes these gifted could be what we consider to be schizophrenic, or those with delusional disorders. So... You're saying that this is just a bunch of people who are either high or mentally ill? Or something else. I I don't follow. We all still stick to the dogma that civilization started with the Sumerians about 5,000 years ago. We've been anatomically human for at least 200,000 years. What were we doing all that time in between, twiddling our thumbs? Who knows what secrets we discovered, what great knowledge we learned, and what unspeakable things we witnessed that were released upon ourselves. Sounds like you're doing a little bit of filling in of the gaps yourself there, Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Quite right. But you must be willing to entertain the possibility of the unknown. Until you do that, you'll never get to the truth of the matter. I began to wonder if these experts Samantha spoke to did more harm than good. Did they bring her any closer to the truth of the Fillmore Four? Pondering this, I went back to the beginning, back to Johnny and his tapes. Where did he go? Join the races. 
Well, one thing I am certain of is that Samantha was sure she spoke to him. And the only other person who listened solidly to the tapes was our sound engineer, Tom. All right. You hear that? What is that? The technical definition is fucked if I know. I've replayed it 50 times. It's like there's something there that I just can't quite hear. You want to hear something really freaky? Okay. What did you hear? Marcus. Right. It's the same. Every time. Except... Everyone hears their own name. Nobody's called me Marcus since grade school. Except Samantha did. Right near the end. Have you played this for anyone else? Yeah, a few people. And they all hear it. I don't think that's a good idea. It doesn't make any sense. None at all. How much of this sort of stuff is there on the recordings? Well, look. It's pretty much on all of them. One of the experts Samantha talked to spoke about ancient people talking to gods. What do you think? Huh. You mean like Lovecraftian shit? The old ones? <sighs> nah, man. I don't, I don't believe in any of that. Dude, there's something on these fucking recordings. You're hearing it yourself. I know. God, this is so fucked up. Yeah, but it doesn't make it untrue. Maybe, but that still isn't the scariest part. You know how if you walk around in the dark, you can, you can sort of hear things better? Yeah, sure. The more I listen to the recording, the more I can hear it. I don't know... Coming clearer or something. I don't know, man. I, I don't know how this is all going to end, but looking at Sam, though, yeah, scares the shit out of me. Hey. I'm here because RFE thinks there's a story worth telling. At least to find out if there is. And I'm not an intern. So much talk of Johnny. Perfect. He helped guide her investigation, open doors for her? That's right. Or was it just Samantha? Do you have one yourself? Hello? just like with the news reports. And Samantha, it's different when it happens to you. I am self-aware enough to know that I look and sound like a madman, but I cannot deny the evidence of what is happening in front of me. I know how this sounds, trust me. 
So I've decided to start recording everything to try to make sense of it all. Even if just to prove that I'm not crazy. Hello? I've been receiving strange phone calls from unknown numbers in the middle of the night. When I answer, there is discordant static on the other end. I am aware that cold calls exist, but these ain't it. These are communications. Last night, I received a call that completely threw me off my guard. It was a call... It was a call from Samantha's old phone number. Marcus. I heard it. Clear as day. It was Samantha. She said my name. If the mythos is true, then once you hear this, once you are fully tuned in, you cannot unhear it. You can only start to hear more. But what is the science behind this all? There's got to be a real-world explanation! Paranormal researchers believe that sometimes the phenomenon we know as ghosts are just energy imprints replaying over and over again. A residual haunting scratch on a record. Science we've yet to fully conceptualize, but continue to describe in the terms of demons and wayward souls. But is this just imprinted energy I'm tapping into? Or have we all just heard a message wrapped in the shroud of an audible curse? There are many theories. We have no idea what this phenomenon is or what this entity or entities really are. Or maybe this is all just mass hysteria. A disease of the mind I caught off Samantha through the power of suggestion. Just like Darlene. Just like the Fillmore Four. Hmm. The case of the Fillmore Four. We still don't know the exact reasons why Dr. Harrington lit the fire that killed Dr. Lasher. But we do know two things conclusively. One, she did light the fire. And two, she did it to protect the kids and get them out of danger. Her time at Fillmore was running short, and she saw it as the only option to help them. Did she mean for Dr. Lasher to perish in that fire? Perhaps. Regardless of how based in reality her thinking was, I have to admit she did care for those kids. And although they have been on the run and missing all this time, no bodies of Roland and Alicia have ever been found. I hope Dr. Harrington's sacrifice wasn't in vain. Who was that? She, uh, she, she, she's been moving from place to place and leaving a deadly mark under different identities. From Sam's notes, and even just looking into it myself, you got the feeling the noose was tightening, the fog was clearing. I wonder. That email from Johnny wasn't there, I'm sure of it. Then it was. It doesn't make sense. But, but, but the timing is all... I wonder. I wonder if we traced the email, if we could find the IP address, 
I wonder whose name we would find when we lift the rug on that Johnny email that started this all. This investigation has taken me to places I didn't think I'd go. Places I never thought I'd spend too much time dwelling within. Well, I'm not a person of faith. I also don't believe that every aspect of science is exact. Isn't that the point of experimentation to rule out a hypothesis? Maybe. Maybe that's what's occurring now. I feel infected by the darkness. Tell me, can you hear it? Can you hear the gloom? So how do you think we stop it? I don't know. Maybe not stopping it is part of how to survive it. Go on. But don't mind me, I'm just making the rounds. Checking in on my favorite girls. How we doing today, ladies? Fine. Fine. Well then, I, uh, I know when I'm not wanted, so I will leave you to it. You were saying? We allow the darkness into our lives. It's like when you see an R-rated movie for the first time. You can't rewind that moment and get your life back before seeing the movie. It's a loss of innocence. Just like the first time you hear the gloom. So what do you do? Once you hear it, once you allow the gloom into your life, it's always going to be there, gnawing at the edge of your mind. So what do you do? Learn to live with it. It's always going to be there, gnawing at the edge of your mind. So what do you do? Learn to live with it. So what do you do? Learn to live with it. You've been listening to The Gloom, a production of Violet Hour Media, produced and directed by Frank Merle. Written by Peter Winsutsky and Michael Asop. Music by Talib Peshkapia. Sound design by John Zowski. Mixed and mastered by Jean-Marc Preset. Executive produced by Cassie Josephoff. Lynette Hachel is the voice of Samantha. Charles Riffenberg is Mark. Michael Clark is Johnny. Carrie Weeder is Darlene and Tobin Bell is Dr. Lasher. The Fillmore Four are Hunter Johnson, Veronica Johnson, Angeline Labrie, and Spencer Ortega. Additional voices by James Cowan, Galen Howard, Jake Kaufman, Aaron Killeen, Keith Corneluk, Danielle Today, and Eileen Dietz as Dr. Glassman. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.